It was, said the president, a part of France that burned today, a part that stood here for 800 years through war, revolution and religious unrest, engulfed within an hour by flames. Nevada officials are bracing for an invasion at Area 51 by humans. The military base 80 miles from Las Vegas has become infamous for conspiracy theories about little green men. The Women's World Cup champions have brought their victory back home tonight just within the last hour or two, arriving at Newark Airport a short time ago after scoring a record fourth World Cup championship, of course, their second in a row. Good morning. Henderson. Still Henderson! Saved by the goalkeeper! And in by Diva Carigi! And Liverpool has scored early! Now then, Marnie's in the middle, there's not much else to aim for. Now the race! It's in! It's Ginny Wijnaldum for Liverpool! He's caught in a beauty! Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, opposite me of course is Jonathan Wilson and with us today is Asif Kapadia, award-winning filmmaker whose works include Senna, Amy and of course Diego Maradona. Asif, welcome to the podcast. Hi there, morning. Thanks for having (laughs) me on. Not at all. Thanks for thanks for joining. Today, we don't go back very far. We only go back to the 7th of May 2019, the semi-final of the Champions League, the second leg at Anfield between Barcelona and Liverpool, which of course ended 4-0 to Liverpool. Asif, why have you chosen this game? One, I have, you know, a bad memory. Um Two, I guess if you're if you're kind of it depends, you know, you have favorite games, but then there are games you were at and you actually mm. witnessed, and people who were watching on TV around the world, when you say you were at that game, they're like, oh my god, what was that like? You know, so the, it, it, I, I suppose I could have tried to go a bit further back, but it felt like I don't know when Jonathan asked me, it just felt like that's the one that initially comes to mm. mind. It felt too obvious in one way, oh. but then if no one else has done it, why shouldn't I? Um, yeah. And it's also part of the kind of just the story of how you know when you get go to a game because you know you have no hope and you're only going because it's the end of the season. You know, the, the truth was I, I got a ticket quite randomly right at the last minute um, because we were driving back to London. We've been to our mother-in-law's. See, everything I'm saying now seems like it's all from another time. This is the other thing <laughs> because of where we are. Right? The idea that we were driving back along the motorway from the yeah. mother-in-law's seems like it's another life. And um and and this is you can you can snip this out if it's irrelevant right but this is what happened we had our she'd been looking after our cat so we'd gone to pick up the cat the cat doesn't like being in a car the cat vomited we pulled over and while they were cleaning up the mess I checked my phone and I'm on a group kind of Liverpool WhatsApp group with a bunch of kind of old school proper kind of fans proper Reds. Mm. And someone just said, look, I've got a spare ticket for, for Liverpool-Barcelona. Does anyone want it? And I saw the message. I thought, oh, I'd love to go. And someone else had already got in there ahead of me. And it was a, a brilliant writer, screenwriter and writer, Frank Cottrell Boyce. So I was like, all right, Frank, enjoy it. You know, it sounds like it'll be a good game. And that was it. And then we carried on driving. And then Frank sent me a message saying, listen, actually, I think I'm working, actually. I've got to be in London, so you can have it if you want. So then I kind of, while we were driving on the motorway, I was telling my wife, can you get me a train ticket? See if you can get a ticket. I've got to find a hotel. I've got to find someone to stay. It may even be in the day before the game. I mean, it was really tight. And it's, and I just thought, you know, it's been a great season. We're not, we're going to get knocked out in the semi-final against Barcelona. We're not going to win the league because Man City are going to win it. So I would just like to go there and be there to enjoy it with the fans and the team and say thank you for 
to clop in everyone for a great season. So that was the only reason I went. I just thought it would be a nice way to kind of finish off the season. And so I didn't think we were going to win. And that, so that was a backstory. I got a ticket, went on my own, met up with some friends, mm. and then it just became this unbelievable game. <laughs> well, that's it, Jonathan. I think a lot of people would have probably thought, okay, it's Barcelona semi-final of the Champions League. Let's not be silly. But going into the game, having lost the first leg 3-0, I remember uh, various sort of Liverpool fan uh, channels and, and so on, you know, one or two people in complete sort of despair and, and, and some people say, no, is there any point going to the to the second leg? Now, obviously, that would have been heat of the moment stuff, but you could have forgiven uh, Asif there for passing up on, on a ticket, of course, because it seems such an unlikely job. Yeah, and I, I guess when it's when it's your team, you probably look at it slightly differently. Uh, I mean, my, my feeling as a, you know, as a total neutral was, I mean, obviously, I, I fundamentally thought Barcelona would, would go through. But there were certain factors then. I, mean, I remember sort of writing about, you know, writing previews of a game and sort of saying, look, this Barcelona are vulnerable. They, you know, they, they lost a 4 1 lead against Roma the previous season. Mm. They lost 4 0 against PSG in 2017. And okay, the second leg they did win it 6 1, but you know, they could be beaten 4 0. Even the game against Chelsea in uh, 2018. Uh, when they drew 1-1 at Stamford Bridge and Messi scored, I think, about a quarter of an hour ago to equalise, Chelsea had ripped through their midfield. Their midfield was it was vulnerable, and particularly to a type of midfield like Liverpool's. And also, this is Liverpool. I was there in Istanbul in, in 2005. Uh, I'd, I'd seen them when they came back against Dortmund uh, in was that yeah, Klopp's first season. Uh, Anfield has its mystique. The, the Saint-Étienne game from 76, the great comeback. So those things sort of made you think, you know, maybe there's a chance. However, I still and, and actually the first leg as well. You know, although it was three 0 it was actually a, a pretty even game, and it's just the genius of Messi turned it. But the fact that Liverpool hadn't got the away goal, which Roma had, had the previous season, and the fact that they were without both mm. uh, Mohamed Salah and yeah. Roberto Firmino, <laughs> yeah, both of those made me think, ah, not not really a hope here. Yeah. I was at the Dortmund game, so I've been a few, a, a few of those oh, yeah. amazing comebacks. So I do know what it's like to be there and to be going crazy, and for the team to just keep going. So I was, I, you know, I was at the Man City game. So in the previous few years, a lot of the kind of quarterfinal, semi-finals in the Champions League, the UEFA Cup, I went to all of the finals, the last three finals. Um, so I, you know, I've been there and been lucky enough to witness it. So you know, you lose a game three 0 The kids were crying that night. I remember, and I was trying to explain, well, it's just football. You know, you don't win every game. But then also, as you build up to a game, you can't help it. You dream. And I saw Gary Lineker at Euston Station. We were about to get on the same train. And I said, what do you think? And he said, no chance. Ah, you never know. <laughs> so by the time the game comes along, you see, you're suddenly like, ah, you don't know. And if, if there's anything about Liverpool, it's like we're better off probably being the underdog. You know, there is something about going in there where people don't expect us to do anything. And, you know, you hear about the other teams already celebrating. You go, well, you know what? This is Anfield. So, under the floodlights on a kind of midweek, it is something special. And that atmosphere was unbelievable that night. I think the atmosphere is something that's worth talking about because, mm-hmm. you know, these things get romanticised. But, yeah, again, as a neutral, yeah, I actively look forward to doing Champions League knockout games at Anfield. And, you know, when you're a journalist and you do 100, 150 games a season sometimes, you do get cynical. But even things like the Olympiakos game back in 2005, uh, you know, the last 10 minutes of that game, I remember sort of pushing my laptop away and thinking, 
I'm just going to watch this. I'm just going to enjoy this. And I, you know, even if my piece is five minutes later than it ought to be, it'll be a better piece because I'll have absorbed it. And, and because I just, you know, I am here and this is a great privilege to be here. So Anfield, I think more than any other stadium I've been to, does have that that that, that quality. And you know, a lot of fans like to think their their stadium has it. Yeah, as a neutral who's been to I think 266 grounds around the world, Anfield is still slightly different. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I haven't been to that many games, obviously, and I haven't been to that many stadiums. But when I have gone to stadiums that have kind of famous reputations, I, I'm always slightly like, is that it? You know, I always feel like that's not that impressive. It's not the same. And, you know, we don't have as many people in the stadium, but there's something about the architecture. There's something about the vibe. There's something about the colour red and the green and the floodlights. And it's just like, and the fact that they've done it before and they've done it again and again. And so... um you're right. And I, I do talk to lots of journalists and I do talk to a lot of fans and they all say there's something about, I've spoken to referees who've refereed World Cups and, you know, really, and they say they have never felt anything when they're refereeing as when they've been at Anfield on one of those nights. So it had all the potential, but it was, you know, you still need to get the early goal. You know, by the way, before we even get to the goals, it was something about Mo walking out with that T-shirt on as well. Do you remember? Never give up. Because he wasn't playing, you know, the chart, you know, not having two of your players, having a Regan Shack playing in the starting eleven, and and you know, players were getting injured, and it was just like there's something, everything was against us, and it was one of the great occasions of I have to say I lost my voice that game, I screamed <laughs> so much. It was one of those atmospheres that's so good, and it was just before. Um, I was supposed to go to Cannes for our, the premiere of our film Diego Maradona, so mm. I never got my voice back really. So after <laughs> after this match, and I was at the final, and the final wasn't the same as the semi-final. Um, and then after that, I had to go to Cannes and just do lots of press and do non-stop interviews, you know, all day long for days and weeks and weeks and travelling the world. And I can remember for months, my voice was never the same because of that night at Anfield against Barca. Amazing. Asif, you, you said a little bit earlier on that you, you took the ticket because you wanted to kind of go and just enjoy the evening and almost show a bit of appreciation for what Liverpool had done that season. Is, is, is that, you know, Jurgen Klopp's been at Liverpool for a few years now. As a Liverpool fan, seeing the team grow under Klopp and seeing his stamp um, or, or his influence, uh, you know, seep into those into the players, into the club even more and more, do you, do you think that, in a, in a different sort of incarnation of Liverpool, you would have done that because there seems to be an awful lot of affection towards this Liverpool side and, and that's largely down to the manager, you could say? Absolutely. It's 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 massively down to him and his his charisma and the way he leads and the players that he has brought in and the way he coaches and the way he doesn't whinge. You know, I don't know. There's just something about the energy that it gives off. And, you know, I was there when we lost against Madrid. I was there against Man City when we won that game and the Roma semi-final. So, I, you know, we'd been on this ride and then we came close and we didn't win. And then we came close and we didn't win the league. And then you kind of think, oh, it's going to happen again. But you know what? He makes it so enjoyable that I just thought I would like. And the team played beautiful football. They've just been up against really great teams. And so, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you realise... You know, I've been lucky. I'm okay. I support a team that's won a lot in the past, and I'm old enough to remember when we won <laughs> in the past. Um, but you realize for years we had great players, but we didn't always have a great team. We had superstars who left, 
and you give them all your love and you, and then they leave you, right? And then you realize the most important person is the coach. And other teams had great coaches who took kind of, you know, great players, good players, but they elevated them to amazing teams who won a lot and they got into the habit of winning. And until Klopp came along, we just have not had a great coach and leader who does everything. And it's not just what he's like as a person, as a coach. I think it's his sort of, he's quite a spiritual guy, I feel. He's also, you know, politically, everything he says, I'm like, that's why can't we have politicians <laughs> like that? He just stands for things that we feel are right, I think are right. And he definitely fits in with the culture of Liverpool. I'm not from Liverpool. I'm a Hackney boy. I'm from East London. <laughs> and I always felt kind of affinity from where we were in Hackney growing up in the 70s and what, you know, the Conservatives maybe thought of places like us and Liverpool. And having made a film about Naples, you realise there's a link also with the way Naples mm. was treated by the rest of the country there. So there's something about Klopp coming in and not going to the richest and most successful teams and saying, no, I want to work with certain teams and not other teams. And that, that's why we love him. He's mm. amazing. Mm. Jonathan, how impressed were you with Klopp's and, and Liverpool season that year? Because as you mentioned, they got to the Champions League final and were beaten by Real Madrid, of course, 3-1, and there was the goalkeeping errors and all that, and Gareth Bale's goal. And it, and it seemed, because Liverpool, what did they finish? Fourth that year? It seemed that in the Champions League, they'd really excelled. They'd shown really kind of swashbuckling, exciting football. Um, and, and one could have thought, ah, oh, that, that was such a great opportunity. Really, really um, enjoyable side to watch. Uh, you know, can they can they repeat that? Well, then the season that we're talking about, you know, a whisker away from the title. And in the Champions League, they go on and win it. That hugely um, impressive from Klopp to be able to pick up those players who one or two people might rightly have, have thought, ah, that was a bit flash in the pan getting to the final. And then here they were in, in a semi-final against Barcelona. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I think what, what's, what's fascinating about Klopp is how the attitude of other top coaches to him has changed. Mm. So... Yeah, we, we saw him do brilliant things with, I mean, even with Mainz, I guess, on on on, a, on Mainz's level, and then with Dortmund. And you always wonder with somebody whose style of football is, um, I don't want to say idiosyncratic because it, it is part of a more general trend. But it, it, it's you you could have watched that Dortmund side with all the colours changed and not recognising any of the players, and you would still know who they were. They they played in a way that was definitively Dortmund, and particularly when it's a style of football that requires a huge amount of buy-in from players. You know, that, to, to play like that demands enormous energy in games. It demands enormous commitment and discipline and energy in training and, and to fitness work, but also great mental and emotional energy to sort of learn the patterns, to you know, to know where where and when you should press. And we, we've seen it before with, with Bielsa sides, often starts well, collapses. You look at Saki at Milan, had you know three great or four great seasons, arguably, and that was it. You know, when it was finished, it was finished, and Saki could never really uh, reproduce that anywhere else. So I think that uh, although there the, the did seem an obvious fit between Liverpool and Klopp, you did wonder whether that whether it would be possible to replicate that. And what we've seen is absolutely it's been possible to replicate that. Mm. But then to have these narrow misses and then come back the next season and do it slightly better, I think that's an extraordinary. Yeah. Um, yeah, to, to, yeah. As you say, to pick the players up. If they had lost this this game, or they had won this game two 0 and lost the tie, it would have been by a million miles the greatest season of a team who didn't win anything. 
And, <laughs> and you know, that is... I, I don't know. I mean, I, obviously you do want to win things, but I wonder if if even that, the way they played, the consistency, the way they were so good in, in both the Premier League and the Champions League, whether it would still have been a great and memorable season. Mm. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen, let's have a quick break and after which we'll talk about the match itself. See you in a moment, everybody. Welcome back to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Now then, let's just briefly, if we can, go back to the first leg before we talk about the second leg. As if you you said, you know, your your children were crying after the game. It was obviously quite, um, uh, it was a terrible result, really. Um, But as Jonathan said, it was quite an even game and Liverpool played well and would have felt quite unlucky coming away having lost 3-0. Yeah, it was it was one of those games where exactly you play really well. You think, oh, they got lucky that free kick. That was never a free kick, and look where they've taken it from. You know, all of the excuses. You you line them up, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, they're rolling around, they're whinging to the ref, and you know, all of your kind of prejudice that you bring as a fan to say that ref gave them everything, gave them everything. Um, and then you kind of walk away, and obviously you forget what happened in the game. You just look at the score and go, oh my God, we lost 3-0 to Barcelona with Messi and Suarez and all of that team. Um, we didn't get an away goal. They should have gone 4-0 up, you know, that oh, famous bit at the end with Dembele. Mm. And, you know, and they're laughing at us. They're laughing at us. But, you know, <laughs> it wasn't 4. It was 3. I don't know if anyone had ever come from 3-0 down in a semi-final before and won. Um against that team against Messi but it just yeah it was it was a it was a tough game it was you know it's kind of depressing when you think but but uh, having lost in the final and then as Jonathan was saying you know to get the semi-final next year I didn't I just still thought we played so well that season there were so many enjoyable moments there was so much good football and he never changed Klopp he stood up with for what he believed in the kind of football that he wants to play he wants his players to play I am a biased fan, but I don't see Liverpool whinging to referees. I don't see them rolling around. You know, it was a, a, it was just like something about he. I, I believe you know this season they're twenty five points ahead in the league, but I also think they're kind of head of the fair play league in Europe. You know, they play really good football, but they play football really well, and and they don't fight and try and chop people up. And so I just think everything that he stood for. He stood by his beliefs in the second leg. And somehow, even that kind of, whether it's true or not, that thing of, I don't think this is possible, but it's possible because it's you. Whatever it was he said, you know, to the players in the dressing room just before they went out. Something about them, something about the fans, something about that stadium, something about, you know, what's happened in the past. And uh, and the early goal is everything. Yeah, it was. And uh, Jonathan, it, it, you know, they did get away with it when when Barcelona didn't score the fourth. There was a few comments of, oh, you know, Barcelona could have really killed it off. But but my recollection, it it really felt that it was done. And as you mentioned before, going into the game, Mo Salah's not there, Roberto Firmino's not there, Divock Origi leading the line. 
um, Sadio Mane's there and and Jordan Shakiri's there. You sit down and you think, well, I'm not. This is this is an even taller order than than it might be. But then, of course, after what was it, six or seven minutes, the first goal is scored by Divock Origi, and suddenly there's hope. Yeah, and, and I, you know, uh, you know, we we're talking, you know, about I saw our biases, how we see see things differently, and I, I remember this quite clearly. My immediate reaction. So I mean, there's the uh, it's Fabinho's ball, yeah, you know, out to the to the Liverpool right. Jordi Alba has all the time in the world, and it's a terrible header which lets Mane nip onto it, and then he plays inside to Jordan Henderson. Now, Jordan Henderson is from Sunderland. He was you know, an excellent <laughs> player for Sunderland. Uh, yeah. But I, I, you know, for for what felt what it felt like years, I'd been fighting this campaign on Jordan Henderson's behalf that I'd never seen a player learn as quickly and be so mm. committed to learning. Uh, and I'd seen it at Sunderland, I'd seen it at Liverpool. And so I think, you know, there was a widespread belief, I'm not sure whether it was true among fans, but certainly among among the media in general, that you know, Henderson's the weak link in that midfield. And I'd sort of been saying, well, yeah, it's, he, he he shouldn't be playing as the deepest of the three. He should be playing on the right. That's that's where he was good at Sunderland. Why yeah. are we asking him to do this this job? I don't think he has the, the tactical intelligence to do. Although actually, subsequently, I think this season, he has shown he has tactical intelligence to do that. But of course, Fabinho comes in, takes up that role. Henderson's able to move to the right of those three. And he runs onto that, exactly the kind of surging run he's brilliant at. And the reading of a game to to you know to, to be up with with uh, with Mane, and then what does he do? He hits this little weak shot that's not near enough <laughs> a corner, and you think, oh god, that was the chance. Yeah. This was this was Henderson's moment to sort of just to, to seize the narrative back. And then thankfully, Origi said to, to, to took it away, and this doesn't become a game at all about Henderson's miss. Uh, but yeah, that, that sort of however long it was, half a second between Henderson shooting and Origi scoring. My, my my reaction was, oh God, Jordan, you've done it again. Mm. <laughs> Asif, what was your reaction when that goal went in? You must have thought game on, surely. I, I, I did. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with Jonathan. His knowledge of football is far greater than mine. But yeah, absolutely. He ran onto it. It was all perfect. We got a ricochet, a bad header from them. And then he gets the ball and it's a really weak shot. You're like, oh no. <laughs> but you know, it's mad that Origi is just there to tap it in. And even now when I watch it, I'm like, oh God, is he going to miss? You know, mm. it, it, it was... <laughs> It was brilliant because it just got everyone in the mood and you could see they the Barca players were affected by it. It was mm. so early, they were affected by it. But if I'm not wrong, it was still only 1-0 at half time. You know, it's not yes. like we ran away with it. It was only 1-0, but we were in the game. We were That's in right. the game. And I think that was the key thing. We were not letting in the goal. There was also kind of the fighting that went on between Robertson <laughs> and um, and Messi, which you know we I didn't see the initial incident, but I do remember there being some arguing. And I, and I have to be honest, what I do remember clearly, a big part of losing your voice is cheering your team. But I have to say, I've got to be honest, booing Suarez and Coutinho. Suarez was at his most dirty that day. <laughs> the rolling around, you know, he got Robertson injured, didn't he? He gave him a kick while he was running. Um, to get some sort of revenge, maybe for what happened to Messi. So I remember really that they got the two ex players got quite a lot of flack. I have to say, <laughs> yeah. um, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's not just it was that. only one nil at half time. It's that Barca had, had you know, two really good chances in the first half. So I mean, Liverpool had had the other chance with the, you know that that Robertson yeah. uh, sort of angle drive. He caught it really sweetly, and Testegen actually did really well. He was sort of diving across to his left and managed to sort of 
get his fist back to still beat it away, even though it sort of swung back into his dive. But there was, you know, the, the Allison. It's Allison's match, really. Allison yeah. is the reason yeah. why yeah. we won that trophy. He made so many saves, and the reason we have didn't win the year before was because of our goalkeeper. And the reason we got knocked out against Atletico Madrid was because of the goalie. You know, if Allison plays, we would have won that game. He was so good against Barcelona. That's the thing that I forgot when I watched a, a bit of it again. I thought, wow, I forgot. He made 10 saves probably. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same. And actually, I looked at the shot count afterwards and Barca actually had more shots on target. I think it was eight to seven in this game. So weird. Which I have to say is not how it felt at the time. And it's not how my memory has sort of recorded this game. Yeah. But when you yeah when you see the extended highlights back, you realise Allison makes four or five yeah. really vital. So I mean, there's a he sort of smothers that one from Jordi Alba as well, and right right on the stroke of half time when Messi just sort of slips it through, and that one especially with it being right at the end of the half, you think yeah that that really could have could have been the killer. Yeah, he's the guy when when Allison plays, you you know. He just is so calm and relaxed mm. and so brilliant. And his positional play is so fantastic that he makes amazing saves. And then you just think, oh, well, he was going to save that. That's him. And anyone else in goal, and we've had a long history of goalkeepers where you go, oh, my God, he went through his legs. What? From that angle? How could, you know? And that's the kind of, that's the problem. No matter how well we played and how many chances we had, we couldn't trust the goalkeeper and when he plays you always felt we're we're in this game we can come back he will be there you know just the minute before half time or just before the end of the game when you know they have a break and um and you know you can see from the games we've lost in recent years and the big matches we've lost it's all because he wasn't on the pitch well would I be right in saying when didn't Allison make a crucial save I forget now which I think it was this season uh, at home to Napoli in the first round when Liverpool, I think, won one nil and they progressed, and and Allison makes a save. I think it was very that season. On. Yeah, Allison makes that, a save it was that late season on. in order to get to the knockout. Yes, yeah, he, he does right. this incredible one, which is like yeah, it's right at the end as of the final game. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, that's and the only I, reason we got to the quarterfinals, or was it last sixteen or something? Yeah, he he, 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 he did it to then. The knockouts, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny again watching this game back. For the for the kind of if you like slim majority of the game, it was fairly even. This match, you know, you've talked about the chances that Barcelona have had there. You go in at half time, and it is only one nil, um, and it is fairly. You know, Barcelona w- would have been uh, disappointed with themselves. You know, I would say that Coutinho chance. You know, he'd be disappointed he never put that away. So Liverpool had. Well, that was a really I mean, tame effort as well. It was it was as if the occasion had become too much for him. And then, yeah. of course, you know, Suarez as well, yeah. know, the, the other yeah. former player, has that. I mean, there's, there's, the, there's the Van Dyke header from the corner, from the inswinging corner, mm-hmm. about five minutes in the second half, where Testega mm-hmm. makes a really good save. But then, even before the goal, before the second goal, Suarez is set clean three by Messi. He's got all mm-hmm. the time in the world. It's the kind of yeah. thing that we've seen Suarez finish that, you know, nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. And he slightly mishits it, and Allison makes a save. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, you wonder is that Allison is such a sort of psychologically intimidating presence that, that it, it sort of it affects forwards or was it the occasion or was it that sort of battle with Robertson Robertson of course had gone off at half time and which was why Wijnaldum came on um but you know Suarez somebody he, who you, know, you think of as being this sort of cold-blooded assassin you know really seemed to sort of lose his nerve with that with that opportunity 
You have yeah. to remember, I think he said something also just before the game. Didn't he say that if he scores, he won't celebrate or something like that because he has so mm. much respect for it? And then he rolled around and tried to get people <laughs> sent off. <laughs> yeah. and, and he did get he did get a lot of abuse, I have to say. And so I, I would say this. I think the occasion got to him a bit. Mm. You know, I think, I mean, he was, he's brilliant, but, he, you know, that is something to the Allison, but it was definitely something in the air that the ex-players were maybe a bit surprised or they knew what the stadium and the fans could do when they got behind you. Somehow it was seeping into all of them, but they still had yeah. chances. Like you said, another goalkeeper may well have parried it or, mm. you know, and someone else would have got a tap in. That's, that's the Allison factor, I think. He yeah. makes it look easier than it is. I think with games like that with for, for Liverpool, you, you, you get an early goal, and it's always you have to just take it take it step by step. You know, we're still in this. How are we getting on? We, st- you know, can we keep them going here? And they miss a chance, miss a chance. Da, da, da. They get at half time one 0 Okay, that'll do. And then ten nine ten minutes after the the, the second half begins, when Aldum leaps in and uh, oh no, sorry. Uh, uh, sorry, the, the header was the second goal. I forget now. They sort of that, that few minutes blur into into one for me. But when it's the Trent scores, cross, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Trent Alexander. But the thing with that is, which it, even it, that, even that, he loses the ball, doesn't he? And then he gets it back, <laughs> and then exactly. makes so, the run. So it, and Trent the, is brilliant in that game. Yeah, it's it's the it's Liverpool's pressing and the sort of yeah. physical domination they have over that Barca midfield is what brings yeah. the goal. Because as you say, it's actually really poor touch from Alexander Arnold. Loses the ball. Wins it straight back, and then I mean, there's a little bit of fortune. The cross is, I think, it's Rakitic is deflected to into Wijnaldum's run, and even then, there's a little bit of fortune because he he hits it in that really awkward place for keeper. That's sort of it's yeah. it's too far away for them to use their feet, but it's not in a sort of comfortable diving place or in between. He should have saved it. When you look at it, you think he should have <laughs> saved that. Yeah, but he doesn't. I mean, <laughs> a goalkeeper. I know what you mean, but job. I mean, a a it, it struck really cleanly, and b I think that is that really awkward place that sort of it's sort of underneath the armpit. It's in that sort of arch of a goalkeeper that, that I think is. I mean, maybe he should have gone with just with his left foot, but he ends up sort of going in off the inside of his wrist. Uh, so I, I've got a little bit of sympathy with Testegen there. I think, I, I, yeah, I think given the pace of a shot, given the sort of suddenness of a move, uh, yeah, maybe he sort of. He got sort of caught between the, the you know, saving with his feet and, and, and the full dive. Look, I don't know what you guys think, but you know there is always this feeling when you have a season or you have a tournament where you think you kind of secretly think the luck's with you. And you mentioned mm. the kind of save against Napoli, and there were quite a few occasions on that run on the Champions League, and that goal sums it up. You've got in that one goal, there's probably four or five moments that in, in another game, it would have not come back to Trent. He wouldn't have made that tackle. The cross would have been deflected the other direction. Genie's shot would have been saved, you know. But you had like four or five things happening in one goal. And it was just some kind of vibe that starts building up saying, it's going to happen. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Because the luck just swings your way. You just keep thinking, some this year, it's going to happen. And, and that goal was a really good one. And you're still celebrating and the next goal comes along. And that's when you think this is game on. Because yeah. actually, it, it was, what is it, 30 seconds? Uh, yeah, I think it was, it was probably, it was under a minute of play time. It was, it was, it was just under two minutes of, of actual time. But yeah, in terms of, yeah, between the, the kickoff and that, I think it was, yeah, it was definitely under a minute. I'm not sure if it was under 30 seconds, but around right. that, yeah. It was, were you, were you, um, actually, were you, were you in Istanbul in 2005? No, sadly not. I, I, right, okay. I, at that point, I wouldn't have. I, I wanted to. I was working in America that year, so I watched um, most of the tournament from bars in the US. 
Um, and then I just came out to London, but I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't know enough people to know how do you even get a ticket to a Champions League final. So sadly, that I can't pick that game. I, I can pick it in terms of I watched it and I cried, and my you know <laughs> wife had never seen me crying really. And she's like, "You're crying over this? <laughs> this is the most amazing day of my life." Um, yeah. No, the reason I was asking the question was just that I, I've never, you know, that that night as soon as Gerard scored the header to make it three-one. But I don't know. You, you, you used the phrase "something in the air" about. Smiles. You knew it was on when Gerard. But, but sort of. I mean, I, I literally, I'd, I'd sort of written all but about hundred words on my match report, and I just deleted the whole lot because I, I, I don't know. I just knew, and and yeah. it's sort of an inexplicable thing when, and I don't know. I feel like I'm saying this all the time on these podcasts, but I don't believe in destiny, and yet somehow, if enough people do believe in it, it takes a hold, and you do get that sniff of something's going on here. And yeah. I think you get that much more when you're actually in the stadium and watching on TV. But even even for me, watching that game on, on, on TV, once that first one Alden goal goes in, it's sort of, yeah, this is happening. This is on. This is definitely... Because you could almost see in, in the basketball players' body language, they were just deflated. They were sort of thinking... They were slumped over. Yeah, we, we you got, could see you know, it. 30, 36 They were not talking to, to each on. other or anything. There wasn't really anyone kind of geeing them up. You know, such an experienced team. I don't know how yeah. much of that is... They've been there. They've seen it. They've won everything. They've won World Cups, half of them. You know, you just look at it, but you realize they're not up for it. You know, you could see that the the, the body language was they were scared. And it, like you said, it had happened in previous seasons where they'd had leads and then somehow managed to get knocked out. But this was even more humiliating. And I, again, I would say that. But it's just something about the way they started to slump and the way the Liverpool players were growing and growing and growing. But again, there was still... Time, you know, all they needed was one break. It was still yeah, because I mean, if they scored one, you'd have needed two, yeah. and so yeah. which is a problem with your way goals rule. But don't get me started on that. <laughs> I, 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 I have to be honest. I know you've said this before. I'm I, I'm kind of a fan of it because it's really worked well for us in the past. Um, but it's it's an unusual when you think about it. Yeah, it's an unusual rule, isn't it? Um, and it worked against us against Atletico. Obviously, we we lost that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Of, I, I can see that it, it sort of it brings drama, and, and in that sense, I guess if if, if you believe football is, is entertainment, I guess in that sense it's it's a useful thing. But it just feels so sort of arbitrary and and artificial to me. That that's and you know some of them were relegated in the away goals within in nineteen eighty seven. So that that's the, that's reason. the reason. Let's be honest. That about is it. it. There we go. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a good enough reason. Yeah. What, um, sorry, what but, is your solution then, Jonathan? Just on that. I, I mean, I, I've. I would go to penalties, or, or yeah, I, I, th- I still think penalties. So is extra a time, no away idea. goals, and then penalties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no but no and if, extra if you time, happen to have the second leg at home and you get the extra half hour at home, well, you know, good luck to you. That's okay. that's right. that's just the luck of the draw. Okay. Well, back back to the match itself. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think, yeah, I think, well, I think, yeah, exactly. As loads as I am, um, yeah, we should mention those two goals. I think. What you, what you said, As if 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 if, if, it, if the second one had gone in, and then Barcelona maybe had ten fifteen minutes to try and get themselves a little bit more composed, maybe maybe they might have done gone right. Okay, hang on, where are we? But of course, they happened in quite such quick succession. And, and as you mentioned, Jonathan, about this kind of idea of uh, uh, I forget the, the word, sort of fate or whatever. When that third one went in. Watching on as a as a sort of neutral fan at home, you think it was one winner here. There is there's going to be one winner, but but there's a little bit of time in between that third and fourth goal. And as the old adage, you don't want to in a weird way you don't want to get that fourth goal too early because Liverpool you don't want to play half an hour 
when you kind of think, ah, what should we do? Do we go for a fifth or we, do we now defend? The goal eventually comes after 79 minutes, of course. And that man, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Asif, is at the centre of it again. Yeah, and I can genuinely say um, I was one of the few people around me who was actually watching it when it happened because <laughs> everyone was still catching their breath. And because it was now three all, and you're like, oh my God, what do we do? Do we exactly do we sit tight? Do we wait? Do we go to extra time and re or do you know, does that open up the game again? And I just remember the corner came along, and like a lot of the Barcelona players, people were not watching it because they were talking to each other or jumping around or you know, smashing their heads. Or, and I was looking at it and I saw it. And I remember, and I don't know about you guys, but I often have this feeling when something like that happens, you go, oh, he's going to disallow it because can't be a goal you know but I actually was there in the stadium and saw it happen and I know lots of the people next to me were all a bit like Klopp going what what happened we he wasn't even watching you know and uh it was a it was an amazing and I mean I thought Trent was great that game and the highlights I don't know if they do it justice just what you were mentioning about the atmosphere you said something earlier on Jonathan about you know um Klopp's teams previously at Dortmund and Mainz and and his Liverpool, you know, the, the kind of way of getting lots of goals quickly, that's not something, it happens often, you know. There's something about the atmosphere in the stadium, there's something about Liverpool, but there's also something about Klopp's way of playing, which is go for it, get two, three goals fast. And so those genie goals, I felt, were a pattern that we've seen previously, um, where the other team somehow gets put off their stride and then Liverpool go for it, go for it, go for it. And yeah, the, the, the Trent goal was just unbelievable because I even now I look at it and say it's going to come off his shin and go over, or <laughs> you know, Pique's just going to get his head on it, head on it. He's almost there. It's quite mm. close to me. It looks like it's brilliant. It's so brilliant, and he's so young and so intelligent. And I love the confidence. You know, if I were, I'm not a player, right? I'm no good at all. But the to have the nerve when you've got a corner to take it quickly when no one's watching. And to and to then execute it perfectly, you know that is some player. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly it, isn't it? It's the it's the smartness to even realise that the, the opportunity's there, and then the, the nerve to. I mean, you know, Im- imagine he he'd slightly miscued that and it just sort of trickled out for a goal kick, or because you know he's not really set to take the corner. He, you know, he, he hasn't sort of taken a run up. He's because he's you know part of taking it quickly is not to take the run up, obviously. So yeah, it's it's the clarity of vision, it's the execution of the skill, and then Origi's finish is a really good finish. It's you know, it's not oh, yeah. an easy finish. It bobbles right in him. front of him. Yeah, to to whip it into. I mean, it's it's really not far from a post. It's right in the top corner. Yeah. Uh, but I had exactly the same reaction as, as you. Kind of, it just looked because it sort of looked wrong. My, my instinct was, oh, there must be something wrong with that. Like, that yeah, and do you know my first impression? And this is just a bitter fan, right? I, I remember thinking, if that had happened in Barcelona, the referee would have blown the whistle and <laughs> said, take it again. They, there's no way the ref would have let that stand. If it had happened against Real Madrid, or if it had happened against Barcelona at one of their stadiums, or in the final, I bet they would have said, no, 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 I wasn't ready. You know, and it, it, something about it was just so inexplicable. I, I don't know. I'm sure it's happened, but I haven't seen that happen often. Well, the, the, I mean, the odd thing is, really, that it doesn't happen that often. I mean, the only thing it sort of reminded me of was the, the Aberdeen second goal against Bayern Munich in 83, which we did yeah. with Johnny Northcroft way, way back. Um, when, you know, the, the Ferguson's sort of, Aberdeen. Yeah, when they, they uh, yeah. it's Strachan and I think, is it Neil Masters, the other player? And they, you know, they sort of, yeah. they, they go to take a free kick and they pretend that they've both gone to take it and they stop. 
and then buy and switch off for a second, and Strachan whips it in and is ahead of the back post. But you know, a similar right. thing of just catching a defence, you know, not looking. Uh, and but it's just coaching as well, reaction. isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, coaching yeah, yeah. because I, I think they did notice, and we all noticed that they didn't half whinge in the first leg. Barcelona's players, they really were always at the ref, and they were always complaining about everything. And and they just like switch off. They were not paying attention. They didn't, you know. Pe- page one when you're playing in the garden with your kids, you're like, don't turn your back on the ball, you know. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> how many of the players are watching? It's unbelievable how experienced they are, and none of them were paying attention. And I think that must be a real hammer blow. That uh, yeah, you've been taking this drubbing, and and maybe the momentum's just started to ebb. And Messi had had that that I mean, pretty much the one chance Barcelona had in the last half hour. It's sort of a, a volley that Alisson saves it as near post, mm-hmm. uh, and and so maybe there's you know, maybe there's just sort of a sense of right the storm is is just passing and we've got ten minutes to have a go at them and try and you know you know, try and get back ahead, and then to get gubbed like that just a stupid goal that that you've kind of it's your fault I mean okay two brilliant bits of play from Alexander Arnold and and Origi but fundamentally it's your fault as a Barcelona player, and mm-hmm. yeah the, the amazing thing really. Is because you can imagine how that last eleven minutes plus injury time, so maybe quarter of an hour of, of, of playing time, you, you can imagine how that could have been very very nervous. But suddenly, yeah. you're having having played the whole game with nothing to lose. Suddenly, you've got something to lose, and we, we you know we've seen it before how, how momentum can shift just on the goal coming slightly at the wrong time. There's none of that. Barca just they're yeah. gone. I, I, they, they, yeah, you're they're totally right. flat. They don't have a chance in the last quarter of an hour. Yes, it's just a sort of victory march. Um, and I'm sure you know the, the nature of the goal is, is 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 part of that. Well, I wanted to ask you that, Asif, because for me, you're absolutely right, Jonathan. I couldn't believe the lack of reaction from Barcelona, bearing in mind that one goal would have taken them through on away goals, and just how they had nothing; they were completely defeated. So, Asif, how did the last ten minutes? How were they for you? Because were you kind of lapping it up in victory, or were you, or was there always that thing of oh, it's a bit nervy? We could we could still lose. And you know, this is this this is the whole thing about watching a match on TV or watching highlights and the energy when you're in the stadium and how slow that clock moves <laughs> when you're in the stadium and how many times you can look at it again. And when you're losing a game, how quickly time passes. And then suddenly you're like, that was a long chunk. But it, it felt, I mean, my memory of it is I felt we were quite solid. I can't remember whether or not they had loads of chances. Um, I just felt like we were in it and they didn't seem to have much fight in them. But watching the you know extended highlights back afterwards, they had a load of chances during the game. But we just kept, you know, we got the breaks. You have a day when it's on, the gods are on your side. I, I do want to mention one thing about that that corner. That that movement by Trent starts in his right back position you'd have to again it's one of the things they don't really show on the highlights they just show the last part of it but I I remember we were it was 3-3 at that point he gets the ball and he essentially makes this run along the whole right wing very cleverly not going backwards just keeping possession and keeping possession and running with it and then stopping and running with it and stopping and then that's how he gets the corner initially by playing it off the defender and and that right the way through. So three minutes before the actual goal, he Trent made that happen by, by just keeping possession. And on the other side, it's the thing where I remember, you know, that's when you want James Milner, right? Just give Milner the ball. He's, he's <laughs> going to go to the corner flag and he's yeah. going to fall over and he's going to get a free kick and he's going to get, you know, and that was the other thing. Milner making the pass to Shaq to 
make that cross for Wijnaldum was key as well. I think him coming on, he steadied the ship. He is so good at that. <laughs> um, and then Liverpool, they were, they were through. They were through to the final, of course, and were the, were the favourites and, and beat Spurs. But Jonathan, do you think this game, this this it's obviously too early to tell. Klopp could be at Liverpool for, you know, number of years still, blah, blah, blah. Could this be the, maybe the defining game of Jurgen Klopp's era at, at, at Liverpool, just the manner in which they, they, they had that never-say-die attitude, an incredible result, and they went on to win the trophy, having as they would be just pipped to the Premier League that season? Yeah, I mean, if this is not the defining game, then <laughs> something pretty amazing is going to have to happen. <laughs> uh, I mean, you think of... of um, yeah, we've sort of mentioned it in passing a couple of times, but the the previous season, the the, the victory over Manchester City, and the sort of the the energy of that first, I don't know how long it was, twenty minutes, half an hour, when they get the three goals. Um, but but th- this was under much more pressure and against a team who, who you know who, who had beaten them three nil two weeks earlier. I mean, however, however fortuitous you know that now looks in in retrospect, they had beaten them three nil. And one of the reasons for that was that they had Lionel Messi, mm-hmm. probably the best player in the world, one of the best players ever been. Somebody who you'd think, if you need an away goal, Lionel Messi will find it. So <laughs> that that combination of the energy, the discipline, um, slightly unexpected players coming to the fore. So Origi scoring two goals, Shakiri getting you know the, the assist for the for the uh, third goal, Alexander Arnold, the, the sort of creative right back, who's who's a player or, or, or a position that Klopp's almost invented for him. Um, then Henderson and Milner. And Milner great in midfield in the first half, great at left back in the second half. And and so you know, I, I think you really saw, particularly in that game, that with Klopp, it's not really about individuals; it's about the squad. It's about everybody having their role and everybody being able to to sort of come together. And you know that that famous line, which I think he's now sort of slightly regrets because it gets tossed back at him all the time, is his line: "The best playmaker in the world is gegenpressing. pressing." Well, you saw it there, and you can't gegenpress press unless you've got complete buy-in by your entire team. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think this game was was the perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. I can. Um, there's another little side to it from us because I was happened to be lucky enough to kind of get a ticket in a box, and um, I was oh. there. Michael Fassbender was in oh. there with us, uh, so there was a kind of movie stars. Um, do you remember Rafa's kind of right-hand man, Paco? I guess oh, yeah. so, yeah. He was there. And so we had we had quite a few, you know, people who've like been in, you know, coaching at, at Liverpool were part of the kind of crew that we were with. And then we had kind of, kind of movie stars around. But again, you forget any of that when you're actually watching him, don't care. But it was a very funny bit. Where we were, just to the right of us, were a load of the Barcelona kind of coaches. I don't know why they were there. So they were in the Liverpool kind of fans and they were sitting there. And I have to be honest, we gave them so much abuse. Number one, <laughs> what were they doing there? Two, they were sitting there really cockily wearing their Barcelona kits. And during the game, it, I've got a picture with their heads in their hands by, and the scoreboard behind them, 4-0. And it was so brilliant. And that was a, just a nerve of them to sit in the middle of it going, you know what, we've got this. And um, so that was another part of the fun of it was yeah. just to watch their faces during it. Um, uh, you know, remember, we're, 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 we, they've taken quite a few of our good players over the years mm. and, you know, made them go on strike and all of this bad back business. And then to get those players on the pitch who then say, oh, if I 
if I score, I won't celebrate. You're like, piss off, right? We're <laughs> gonna, we, we don't care what you do. We want to beat you. And it was everything. It started off with getting a random ticket the day before because of my cat. And then, you know, I got there really early. And I pers- I'm one of those people, I don't get to go to enough games. So when I do go, I get there early. The stadium's empty. I love it. I love the mm-hmm. feeling of just watching the crowd coming in. And then we stayed for a long time afterwards, you know, in and, and the stadium, enjoying the vibe. And so it was, it was so special. And that cannot be replicated watching something on TV. It cannot be replicated when you watch the highlights package. There is something about being in a stadium and feeling it and being feeling you're a part of it, which is just like you know nothing will beat that. Well, as if it's been uh, it's been it's been wonderful re, uh, revisiting that game with you. Thank you very much indeed uh, for that. Um, so yeah, Thanks, of course, uh, for more stories like that, do check out theblizzard.co.uk. But thank you very much, Essie. It's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Thank you, Jonathan, of course. And thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. Um, we're back next week with another great game from the history of football. See you then. The raw emotion of what's going on in this game. Early go. Origi! Liverpool gets What a piece of quick thinking from Trent Alexander-Arnold. And Diva Origi has two. And Liverpool have four. And they are on the precipice of the greatest night. This was a Stakhanov production.